Welcome to Rapture, a Bioshock lorecast, where people of the Bioshock fandom can come together to experience life beyond the sea. So buckle into your bathosphere, ready your plasmids, and let's dive in as we explore the history and lore of the Bioshock series. Valkyrie Kitten with my co-host Twisted Vice. This is the first episode of Bioshock. I'm extremely excited to have you guys join us. First off, I want to go into the background into us and how we got into the Bioshock series. What was our favorite parts of the games? Which game in particular from the three? Or did we really enjoy? Would we like to see a fourth later on? Personally, for me, I got started by Twisted Vice, who is my husband. Uh, with him and my best friend, they both kept re- telling me, hey, you really like these games, games like Assassin's Creed. So they were like, I think you need to take a good look at Bioshock. And I say I've been hooked with Bioshock since then. I personally own a Bioshock for, what is it, how many systems now? At least three. I know. like <laughs> like Xboxes and a Switch. And let's put it this way. I like I went and got Bioshock Infinite signed by uh, Troy Baker as Booker DeWitt. Like, I went all out. I have, as a collection, I have all the pop figures that have been made. Um, I have, let's see, the, a Spicer mask and a Spicer hook. Like, uh, when I get down to time, I plan on getting a Bioshock tattoo. Like, that's how much into Bioshock I am. Like, my husband gets aggravated by me doing the whole would you kindly, and he's always like, no, I know what that's from, stop it. And it's like... You're not going to get me with it. (laughs) I'm going to get you with it with one of these days. But that's how I got started. How how exactly did you get started in Bioshock? Uh, Well, I... My memory's a little fuddled. It's one of two things. Either it was I saw the trailer for Infinite, and wondered what the game was and delved into the rabbit hole that way. Or it was one of those, I came across the Xbox 360 Platinum Hits version of Bioshock 2. Or no, the first Bioshock game. And got interested in it that way, then rented the second one from a video game store. And then just... Yeah, fell in love with the series. The whole underwater city art deco vibe with it was really fun for me. The steampunk kind of vibe. Yeah, kind of had a steampunky ish feel to it as well. Not as much. The third one for sure had that more than the first two, but yeah. The first two to me had the darkness to it, which I 
to me clicked all right right from the beginning like it just had that dark vibe the oh what happened scenario to it and like the third one third one was as you all know Columbia you're out and you know you're dealing with actual live people I mean don't get me wrong the you know first and second one you're dealing with live people but they were splicers people who had their minds all messed up you know Conan and all them just all messed up unlike an infinite who you know there's other people who you can, you know, talk to, um, actual civilians who were sane. People you can interact with, NPCs in an open world. Exactly. And to me, it had that brighter, but yeah, steampunkish feel, unlike the first two who, you know, had the darker feel, which I, like, again, I loved. Like... I remember the opening scene for the very first Bioshock, and I remember texting you going, oh my god, I already love this. Because of just how it went from, you know, such a lively song, which, as we know, I love. I mean, it was our wedding song for our first dance. Beyond the Sea by Bobby Darren. Of course, and I absolutely love it. I'm like, I mean, honestly, the entire music score for the entire Bioshock, all the old-timey songs and everything, reminded me of Fallout. I mean... Yeah, a little bit. There wasn't really as much as that, though. I mean, there were a few instances of that kind of music, but most of it was a wonderful score that was actually made for the game that really vibed well with the game and added that ambience that it needed. It it really did. I, I think, to me personally... Okay, before we go anywhere else, what was your favorite game out of all three? Um, to be honest, I liked the first one. It's just usually first games in the series for me always hold that special place in my heart because it's that first game in that series. Whereas, you know, like sequels, yeah, they can be good or bad. They can, you know, lift the series into an elevated place like the God of War games have done. Or they can, you know, tear the series down like some other games that I, we're not going to mention on this podcast have done but that being said the first one just kind of holds that special place in your heart of it's got all of that mystery of what happened you know all of that lore in the background of everything that's going on in the city that you know led up to what caused you to get there everything behind it it's just it was one of those games and then the twist ending of the game well the mid twist of the game and then the twist ending was just fantastic. So, out of all three, since the first one's your favorite, which one do you kind of wish they would have done more to? Which one isn't your favorite, but you still like it? Well, I've played the first one more through than I have the second one, and I've played probably infinite, maybe a handful of times. I mean, you've seen me play all oh, three yeah, of, of a bunch. But I, without sitting down and experiencing it for myself, I would say probably the second one. I don't remember much of the second one other than you're playing as a big daddy named Subject Delta. That's about as much as I remember. Honestly, when it comes down to it, uh, again, yeah, like how for you, the first one holds a special play for my heart. Especially anytime I think about Shock, the very first, very first screen opening is when you dive into the water in the bathosphere and you just see rapture for the very first time that caught my breath the giant squid that went by the bathosphere just it just it just held my breath yeah it just took it completely away 
I, I same with you. I think the second one, I as much as I enjoyed it, I love it. Don't get me wrong. All the Bioshocks are my favorite when it comes down to it. But the second one, it if I had a choice between the first, second, and third, I would play the first and the third more than I would the second one. I mean, we know how much I love the third one by the fact that we named, well, I named our dog Booker DeWitt. Yeah. I mean, that's that kind is, of a no-brainer. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed being able to experience what it's like being a big daddy. I When I played the first one, I wondered what it would be like. I mean, you get that kind of little rough throw into it, what later on in the first game, close to the end, but actually get, going through the entire game as a big daddy and then finding out the history of that big daddy. Yeah. But being able to experience, you know, the history of Subject Delta and seeing his relationship with characters in the game, it just, it, it was, it, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I did. But it wasn't my go-to favorite. Like I said, you and, you know, April both got me into the game. I think on hers, I'll have to, we'll have to have her come sometime to, you know, tell us about... Yeah, we'll definitely have to talk with her about it. I mean, like I said, you and her were the ones that kept pushing me to it. You know, you love playing Assassin's Creed. You really like playing Dante's Inferno. You like playing, you know, all these one-person games. You'll first like First-person games, yeah. First person, yeah. <laughs> that proves how much of a gamer I am. Not. I, no, I play... I mean... If Bioshock's my favorite, I mean, there's some issues here. Mm. <laughs> but, no, I'll have to have, a, have her on here to explain what made her push me into Bioshock like you. Of course, one of the other things that I'll always remember about Bioshock is the achievements. Yeah. <clears throat> and the one achievement that you can never seem to get that I seem to have managed to get oh without God. even trying. The revive one. The big brass balls achievement. Okay, that's not fair. I mean, we all know as a female. I yeah, mean, besides. Well, no, <laughs> I think the game just has it out for me. I mean, I know <coughs> I turned off those those freaking things. Why am I not remembering the names of them? But the revival chambers. Vita Chambers. So let's start off with the history of the game a little bit. Uh, from what I've heard and what you told me, like, right off the bat, was it was considered a spiritual successor to System Shock? I've never played it, have you? Uh, no, I myself haven't played System Shock. I mean, I've heard of it, obviously, and I've heard the history of Bioshock being that it came as an idea for a sequel to System Shock. But, no, I myself personally haven't played System Shock. Up until you, I never even heard of System Shock. I mean, but I'm also, at the time, was well, when we first got together, there was a lot of games I didn't know about. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not honestly a shocker, but you think after this long of being with you, of, you know, being obsessed with Bioshock, which is going on, what? <laughs> we've 12 been years? Yeah, we've been together for 12 years. You would think you would know everything about Bioshock by now, but from our research, you're finding out stuff. That I never knew about. Yeah. I mean, I knew about, you know, the you know, the basic thing that you find out at the very end of that one, but, you know, we'll get to that later on. Yeah. But, yeah, I did not know that 
you know, it was a spiritual successor to System Shock. And it makes me want to find System Shock and... See what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wonder if it's, you know, if I didn't know better at the time, back then, if I play, if you, like, you threw it in, got past all the, you know, the main screens and everything, if I would have thought it was part of Bioshock or whatever. You know, didn't or see what the name of it you, was. You could see where maybe some of the game's influences could have come from. Yes. I mean, I still would like to do I mean, I, I, you know me, I'm up to, I'm always open-minded and everything, so. Yeah. It would be a nice thing to try to do. Um, honestly, I didn't know about, you know, how 2K Boston, which, you know, was later called Irrational Games. I honestly didn't know that. I thought they were, you know, completely two separate things. But from what I understand, they're both the same thing. Yeah, uh, what it is is the way, from my understanding of, like, development companies, they've got the main company, which would be 2K, then they've got, like, sister companies that like 2K Australia, 2K Boston, and these different companies can work on different parts of games or different games entirely so they can get more production out and work on these different games so they can get different games out and going. And 2K Boston was just, I'm assuming, one of the sister companies, you know, that they were making Bioshock games for and it shut down or rebranded under Irrational Games and then they made you know, whatever games they've made. I don't really know off the top of my head, but... Honestly, when it, <laughs> when it comes to 2K and Irrational Games, when I hear, like, I can hear the 2K or, you know, you know, how the screen pops up and everything, the only thing I ever think of is Bioshock. Well, see, like, whenever I think of 2K games, I think of uh, Borderlands. Oh, really? I did not realize mm-hmm. that Borderlands... Borderlands was partially developed between Gearbox and 2K. Well, now, was that all of Borderlands, or...? Uh, I'm not sure about the most recent one, but I'm pretty sure the first two were. Huh, interesting. I think they were Borderlands, or I think they were uh, 2K Australia. Well, that's really interesting. Um, just like uh, the game's concept was developed by a creative lead, Kevin Levine. Ken Levine? Ken, sorry, Ken Levine. Well, proves I can read. Not. Uh, honestly, okay, you and I got together in 2009. Yeah. The very first game I didn't realize was released in August 21st of 20, uh, sorry, 2007. Yeah. I mean, I guess 2007 still works, but. I. says 2007. <laughs> honestly, I thought it would have been, I thought it was out longer. I really thought it would have been like a. 2003 to 2005 range. I did not realize that it was a... That recent. Yeah. Like, that really brought a, a shock to me a little bit. Now, my question is for you, how do you feel... Okay, we know they got the first, the second, the third, and there's been talk about a fourth. What would you like to see when it comes to the fourth? Um... I'm not too sure if I want to see a new environment, new characters, or if we should go back and explore something different. Maybe explore remnants of Rapture or something like that after the events of the first two games, you know. See, like, what happens after that. See if there's some way that the events of the third game leads into the fourth game, which ties all of the games together, like, 
I mean, the DLC from the third one does go back to Rapture. True. It does tie some stuff together, but what if it's like an actual overarching story that encompasses the other three games together and all of that has elements into this fourth game? As someone who isn't an actual prone gamer like you, um, are DLCs actually like a main thing to the game or are they kind of like offside canon kind of things? It just depends. Uh, some DLCs are expansion DLCs that expand upon the story and stuff. So um, the Buried at Sea expansion, I'm not... It, if my memory serves me right, you're the one that's played it, and I haven't played most of it. Oh, it's sorry. the return of Rapture at the beginning before the events of the first game. Yes. And the second DLC leads into the events of the first game, right? Uh, it's been so long. Honestly, I'll be I'll be straight up honest. As much as I love Bioshock and all that, I don't play the DLCs as much as I do the actual game. It's nothing against the DLC anything but once i'm done the game you know the heartfelt ending and everything i'm like okay i'm done but see that's where dlcs are great though because they will also like expand upon the story that could give you even more heartfelt emotion and stuff into the story or events that had happened previously in the game see i'm gonna, i i i'll amend with us going along doing the podcast i have plans of going through and replaying each game you know, something that we can also fall back on, that even with my research, if I didn't notice, I, you know, after the 20 billion time of playing said game, might notice it. Yeah. Or it could be something that you've come across in your research that you go, huh, I've never noticed that before. And when you're playing, it'll be something that you go, oh yeah, I remembered that from my research and found that. That was pretty neat. Yeah. I mean... As you, as you go along doing research and everything, as anybody who, you know, through school knows, you know, even if it's a subject that you, a subject that you're pretty passionate about, you still find things that, oh, I did not know that. I mean, like for you, I think you found some stuff about Fallout every oh, yeah. now and then that you, you don't know about. Oh, there's a lot about Fallout that I don't know about. But back to what you were saying about even you could know something and still learn something about it. That I had a boss tell me that one time that she had been working for the company for X amount of years. And as a general manager, she's still learning new things. Because as, as a human, day and age, as you go by, I mean, the world's changing. No matter what, you're still going to learn something. Yeah, you're always going to learn something new. And I find that fascinating when it comes to video games. You can play hundreds of hours of a video game and still go back later on and completely find something new. I mean, yeah, it's probably, you know, more being able to find something new when it comes to games that are multiplayer. Either multiplayer or a more larger open world game that's, you know, like your Red Dead or Fallout or anything like that. You have multiple places that you could go to that you've never been to before and go, huh, I never found this before. This is really cool. And have a different experience every time you play it. Whereas games like Bioshock, it's a little more of a linear, you know, straight-lined, follow-this-path type ordeal. You're not going to get a huge chance to explore. I mean, something else I've always, I also noticed about small games like Bioshock compared to larger games like Fallout would be you don't have as many bugs. 
being able to watch when you're playing 76 or even 4, even when I played 4, the bugs that pop out. Not just, you know, the actual bugs, not rad roaches or anything, like glitches, like glitching out of a game well, and see, everything. And that also comes with, you know, how big the game is, technology at the time. We've got better technology now. We're able to make bigger maps, better rendering, and stuff like that. Whereas back then, it was different technology. It was, you know, granted that was only, what, uh, 16 years ago? But still, in the 16 years' time, if you have the opportunity to see one of the three... Well, I mean, I mean Bioshock Infinite, you know, is newer. I think it's good. If, if you could see the first or the second one get refixed... Which one would you prefer to see? I mean, they kind of did that with the collection. I mean, yeah, Bioshock but... Bioshock 1 and 2 remastered. Yeah, but I mean, if if they could expand upon it. Like, re... 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 Uh, hmm. How should I put this? Re-release it, but larger. They've added on to the game where you could explore it more at, in the first one than the second one. But would that be just defeating the grounds for a fourth game? That's my question to you, because you're more into that's, that's what you could do with a fourth game. You could take the standpoint of a, you know, different person in the Bioshock, you know, world and everything like that, and center the game around them, and it be a larger area to explore of Rapture, you know, or events that happened after such. You know, you, you never know. So, since we know both of our favorite games are least favorite as a bunch, here's a question for you. Who is your favorite character out of all three of them? Just any character? or You can be the character you play as, a side quest character, a what is it, NPC, any, any character that you come across. Who was your favorite? Hmm, that one's a tough one. Because, you know, I, I'm not as in love with these games as you are, so I don't really would say that I have a favorite. How about yourself? Well, who would you say your favorite character is? Okay. I mean, we can go basic here. And I have to say... Oh. Booker DeWitt. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Booker DeWitt, not just because, you know, I named my dog after him. Um, uh, but honestly, yeah. Booker would have to be one of Jack. Jack is also another one, and for people who, you know, Jack being the first the main character you play as as in the first game. But I also didn't mind Frank Fontaine, or the the oh, the little sisters, the little sisters and the big daddies. Okay, big daddies have to be my absolute number one. Then Booker DeWitt have to be my top two i is it's such a running close call for both of them that it's hard for me to say um i can tell you who's my least favorite character and it's probably gonna get a lot of crap for it but elizabeth she drove me nuts yeah yeah did get kind of tiresome hearing booker catch i mean now we hear that with our own children so yeah but uh I guess in that regards, I would have to say Songbird. I like Songbird a lot. Oh, yes. I forgot about... And, you know, Songbird had such a a bad taste in my mouth when I very first, you know, come across it. 
It really did. It was like, you know, this creature that is after you, is trying to hurt you, is trying to keep Elizabeth away. And, I mean, as you find out later on, you know, what Songbird's actually about, you go to, you know, fall in love with it. Yeah, you grow attached to Songbird. Just like, I mean, we'll find this out in the first, well, actually, I don't know if, I mean, we will when we go over Songbird himself. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. I mean, you find out stuff about Songbird that I honestly, no matter how much I've played the games, did not know about. And, I, I mean, if you any of you do know about what I, when we come across and start talking about Songbird, yes, I know I'm rambling, give me a second. But when we come across Songbird and we talk about it, if you know what I'm talking about when we come across it, then let me know. Did you know this? Did you go back through? Did you catch it after we talked about it? It's one of those things that really was an eye-opener for me. So as we go on with the series, um, this is how we're going to plan on going about doing it. Of course, as people who've listened to podcasts before know, you know, it doesn't always end up being the way that we would like it to be for you listeners. Um, the plan is to pick a subject and go through the detailed history, what we think of the character, what we hated about the character, um, the voice actor of the character, you know, and just dive just deep into it. Yeah, and other things we're gonna try to do with this is also talk about you know like some of our favorite characters in general like we were just talking about you know some of our least favorite characters you know it's not just gonna be constant fact episodes um oh no um not even not just characters i would like to dive into the history of some of the weapons that were used for that one favorite levels i mean the plasmids the yeah, histories of your plas- favorite plasmids i mean i we have a good list and i would like to be able to start off with the first bioshock and then go i mean yeah kind of follow the games chronologically yes i mean as we all know for ones who have played bioshock what it's going to start getting tricky once so- we hit the second to third one with the second one being a lot like the first yeah some stuff's going to definitely tie in and same thing with the third one towards the end. Stuff's going to tie into both games. So it's going to be a tangled web that we weave, but it's going to be a fun one. Well, our next one, uh, the actual very first podcast that you will be listening to, is going to be by none other than Andrew Ryan. And we actually can't wait. Uh, I dove deep, as deep as I could be, into Andrew Ryan's background. And we hope that you'll follow through and... If you would, would you kindly follow us through? And I'd like to leave you out with a question. Who would you rather not run into a dark alley with? A splicer or a boy of silence? Ooh, that is a good question. Can't wait to hear. This has been Rapture, a Bioshock Lurecast. We want to thank you for joining us and we hope you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as we go along our journey into the history and the lore of the Bioshock series. Let us know who you would like to see us go over in the future. Also, would you kindly leave us a review and join us for the next episode.